welcome to everyone tonight, and especially if you're a guest with us tonight, we welcome you. Glad to have you. Those of you that may be joining us online, we welcome you as a part of this service tonight. Pray that you're blessed by it. In Jesus' name. Amen. If you're not standing and you're able to, if you would, please. Very thankful tonight for us to have the opportunity for Brother Campatella to be with us. And I realize this is his first time at Antioch. So get used to him real quick. Don't sit there checking him out, trying to figure him out. You just you jump in. Praise God. And uh, Brother Campitella and Brother Jackson, Victor Jackson that was just with us, are from the same church. And uh, so we may not know him yet, but we have a little bit of a connection since we now know Brother Jackson. Amen. Praise God. I, I said it here. <clears throat> I've never done this. Never know if I'll do this again. But after hearing a message that Brother Campitella preached, um, I wanted for you to be able to hear what the Lord had to say. I've told him in the car. I guess I probably should have told him before the car ride, but I did tell him in the car ride from the airport. I'm paraphrasing what I told him. This is an exact quote. He's welcome to follow the Holy Ghost tonight. He doesn't, he doesn't have to stick to something just because that's what's requested. We want Him ultimately to follow the leading of the Holy Ghost here tonight. But I believe, I have prayed, and I believe that God is going to allow there to be a spirit of revelation and understanding in this place tonight. That some, some light bulbs are going to go off in some minds and uh, I, 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 again, I, you know, I think sometimes we feel like some things are trite, but I, I really believe, I don't say this to sound dramatic, but I really believe the enemy wanted us to just settle for things just kind of being a little locked up to resist the Word. But that's not what God wanted. Amen. So I believe there's some openness in this place. And I believe that the man of God is anointed tonight, but I've also prayed that the ears of the hearers would be anointed tonight. Praise God. So, Brother Campitello, I know it's your first time with us, but we want you to come and make yourself at home. Take your liberty in Jesus' name. Thank you, Brother Wright, and praise the Lord, everybody. Let's continue to praise the Lord for a moment. Why don't you let your voice out a little bit and tell the Lord you love Him. Hallelujah! We praise you, Lord Jesus Christ. You're wonderful. You're our counselor. You're the mighty God. You're the everlasting Father. Hallelujah! You are the Prince of Peace. Praise the living God. It's such a delight to be here at Antioch Church. Your reputation and your faithfulness and your fanaticism have gone outside of these walls and you have a reputation. And I 
counted an honor to be here and to be a part of the work that God is doing here. I give honor to your bishop and your leadership team. God bless them all in Jesus' mighty name. Surprisingly, this has been a controversial message, not because there really is any ambiguity in the Bible on this topic, but because of our culture. And I feel it in the Holy Ghost to preach this to you, and I pray it would be a blessing to you. Exodus chapter 25, beginning with verse 18. My family sends their greetings. I think my wife is watching live stream. We are having a family dilemma right now. Please pray for us. My two sons are in a heated debate over which superhero they will wear for our costume night at our church. It's a great deal of tension, so please pray for us that God would resolve that issue. That was an attempt at a joke. I won't do any more, okay? (laughs) Exodus chapter 25 and verse 18, and thou shalt make two cherubims of gold. Everybody say angels. Of beaten work shalt thou make them in the two ends of the mercy seat, and make one cherub on the one end, and the other cherub on the other end, even of the mercy seat shall you make the cherubims on the two ends thereof. And the cherubims shall stretch forth their wings on high, covering, everybody say covering, the mercy seat with their wings, and their faces shall look one to another toward The mercy seat shall the faces of the cherubims be. Isaiah chapter 6, beginning with verse number 1. The prophet Isaiah said, In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw also the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up, and his train filled the temple. Above it, everybody say covering stood the seraphims, another type of angel. Each one had six wings with twain or with two. He covered his face. Everybody say covered. And with twain, he covered his feet. Everybody say covered. And with twain, he did fly. First Corinthians chapter 11, beginning with verse number three, the apostle Paul tells us, but I would have you know that the head of every man is Christ And the head of the woman is the man, and the head of Christ is God. Every man praying or prophesying, having his head covered, dishonoreth his head. But every woman that prayeth or prophesieth with her head uncovered, dishonoreth her head. For that is even all one as if she were shaven. For if the woman be not covered, everybody say covered. Let her also be shorn. But if it be a shame, everybody say shame. For a woman to be shorn or shaven, let her be covered. Everybody say covered. For a man indeed ought not to cover his head, for as much as he is the image and glory of God, but the woman is the glory of the man. Verse 13, judge in yourselves. Is it comely or is it fitting that a woman pray unto God uncovered? Doth not even nature itself teach you That if a man have long hair, it is a shame unto him. But if a woman have long hair, it is a glory. Everybody say glory. It is a glory to her for her hair is given her for a covering. Everybody say covering. 
But if any man seem to be contentious, we have no such custom, neither the churches of God. I want to preach to you or teach to you, treach, whatever, on this topic for the next few minutes, the keepers of the glory, the keepers of the glory. Would you put your Bibles down? Let's lift our hands one more time unto the Lord and let's ask him to do exactly what he wants to do in this place. Father, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, by the authority of the word of God, And the power of the name Jesus. I bind every spirit that is contrary to the flow of the Spirit of God. I loose the angels of the Lord in this place now. To minister according to your will. Let the perfect law of God, the perfect word of God, have the impact upon us that you want it to have. Open every eye to see and every ear to hear what thus saith the Lord. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. We pray, and everybody said, in Jesus' name. Would you clap your hands one more time unto the Lord and give a shout of praise to God? Let your voice out and praise the Lord together. Hallelujah! We praise you, Father. Hallelujah! Great is our Lord and greatly to be praised. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Praise God. Give two or three people a high five and say, you just look good. Thanks for coming. You may be seated. is a very complimentary church <laughs> Satan wants the opposite of God's commandments the Bible teaches us in the beginning that God clothed Adam and Eve when they knew they were naked God tried to hide their nakedness by covering them When you look in the New Testament, the Bible tells us the story of the demoniac of Gadara who was possessed by legions of devils. And the Bible tells us that he ran through the countryside, the graveyards, the tombs, cutting himself as he was naked. He took off his clothes. And then later when Jesus cast out these devils, the Bible says that the man was found fully clothed and in his right mind. What Satan tried to uncover, God covered. You see again the seven sons of Sceva who tried to operate in an authority that they did not possess. They came across the demoniac and they said, we adjure you by the Jesus whom Paul preaches. And the response of these devils is classic. They said, Jesus we know, and Paul we know. But who are you? I never want to be in that situation as long as I live. The Bible says that this demoniac overpowered the seven sons and ripped off their clothes and sent them away naked. I kind of always laugh when I read that. But again, Satan is uncovering the flesh. God tries to cover Satan tries to uncover. And I say this so that you will know what spirit you are of when you want to show more of your flesh.
Uh, he said to just treat it like I'm at home, and that's what's happening. I already feel like I preached here. I'm sorry. Here we go. God wants distinction between men and women. And Satan wants to remove this distinction. God wants women to act and dress like women. And he wants men to act and dress like a man. Satan wants men to dress and act like women. And he wants women to dress and act like men. The most heated battle in our society today and in the spirit realm of America is Satan's attempt to remove gender distinctions. In June of 2015, the Supreme Court told us that we had to accept a new definition of marriage. Two people of the same gender could now be considered married. And this was a shock to our society. It was an, ab uh, an absolute abomination. And now Satan is not satisfied with that level of debauchery. We are even further down the road of delusion as our society is pushing what is called transgenderism. Has anybody heard that lately? And this is the idea that a person can literally choose their gender. And to do so means a denial of physical, scientific, biological, emotional, and spiritual realities. We live in a very dark day where somebody can believe they can actually choose their gender. In the day that we live, people who deny reality on every level to satisfy their lusts are praised as champions in our society. However, the reality is very different from the script that our society reports. When you look at Target department stores, they made themselves a champion of the transgender cause. And since September of 2016, there have been many, many cases of men taking pictures of women in Target restrooms. And when I read these things, I'm thinking... Did anybody not see this coming? California is proposing jail time for anyone who mislabels someone's gender. In other words, if you're talking to a man who thinks he's a woman, you had better say ma'am or you are going to jail. In North Carolina Governor Pat McCrory took a stand. Y'all remember hearing about this? He took a stand against men going to little girls' rooms, and of course Hollywood went berserk about it. Major companies, including the NBA, the NFL, the NCAA, the NAACP, among others, boycotted the state. And the estimated costs to the city or the state of North Carolina were almost $4 billion. Any resistance to Satan's agenda is met with enormous consequences. Let me tell you something. In other words, there has never been a better day to be apostolic Pentecostals. We are the last day church. The Bible says we are a church, a city that is set on a hill which cannot be hid. Just us acting normal out of the world is going to shine a light for everybody to see.
God has always been serious about making a distinction between men and women. Deuteronomy 22 and 5. God said, the woman shall not wear that which pertaineth unto a man. You should see the commentaries on that scripture to try to make it what it is not. Neither shall a man put on a woman's garment. For all that do so are abomination. Everybody say abomination. Unto the Lord thy God. 1 Corinthians chapter 6 Verses 9 through 10, the Apostle Paul said that among other sins, neither the effeminate nor abusers of themselves with mankind shall inherit the kingdom of God. Effeminate means men who act like women. Hello, somebody. Abusers of themselves with mankind means men living the homosexual lifestyle. They will not go to heaven living the homosexual lifestyle. It is a sin against the law of God. Thank you all five of you. Listen, I don't care what the government says. I don't care what Hollywood says. I don't care what so-called Christian denominations say. The Bible says in the beginning, God made them male and female and marriages between one man and one woman. As far as I'm concerned, the Bible is right. Let God be true and every man a liar. I'm going to live the Bible way. Hallelujah. I believe that Satan hates both men and women. But there is no doubt that he has a particular, peculiar hatred for the woman. God said to the serpent that deceived Eve, and I will put enmity between thee and the woman. Enmity means hatred, hostility, animosity. There's a clash. There's a natural clash between Satan and the woman. It does not say this in reference to men. And I believe this is because Satan understands the power that a woman has. Paul said to Timothy that the woman is the guide of the house. Paul taught us that a man can be won by the conversation of the wife. It does not say this in the reverse order. As a matter of fact, I have seen this played out. I saw a particular lady in our church. She was very faithful. She's a prayer warrior, intercessor. She prayed for several years, over 10 years, for her backslidden husband. And after a while, backslidden hubby wasn't backslidden no more. He was sitting on the front row praising God like everybody else. And I have seen the reverse happen when mama left church. And daddy stayed faithful for a little while. And then after a while, daddy joined mama outside of church. Women are powerful. God has given them this power. And the Bible teaches us that Satan did not go after Adam. He went after Eve. Because he knew if he got the woman, he would have the woman and the man. The Bible says that Adam was not deceived. He understood he was making an error. He understood he was violating the law of God. But because mama did it, he had no resistance. And throughout history and plainly in our current society, Satan is after the woman and specifically the body of the woman. He wants the woman's image. 
the woman's image has incredible power over atmosphere. Uh, we shop at Publix in Florida. I don't know if you'll have Publix in Maryland. We have a grocery store called Publix. And when you go into Publix, used to, you would see the magazine rack uh, lined up as you go through the, the aisle to check out. And there is magazine after magazine of scantily clad women posing in a very sexy way. And if you have the Holy Ghost, sir, your eyes are up, your eyes are down, your eyes are sideways. You're not looking at those magazines. And that has incredible power over atmosphere. What you do not see is a man showing his hairy leg. It just doesn't have the selling power. It's because the image of the woman is powerful. Satan uses the image of the woman. My wife is a highly aggressive woman. I hope she's watching. I love you, baby. We're going to smooch when I see you again. Hallelujah. Mm-hmm. But my wife went to the manager of Publix and said, those magazines are at the eye level of my boys. You either move them or we're not shopping here anymore. And the manager said, we'll move them. And now in that Publix, they have covers over the, they're not Playboy magazines. They're just normal, whatever kind of girly magazines. And they have covered them. I do not believe Christians should be passive. You don't have to keep your mouth shut. Open your mouth and speak truth. And the power of the Holy Ghost will be released through you to change what is around you. God, let the apostolic oneness Pentecostals rise up and open their mouth and say what's right. But the woman is the regulator of morality and culture. Anytime countries or cultures are referenced in scripture, it is always a she. It was a woman that sat on the seven hills as that great sinful city. It is not the great pimp that sits upon the many waters in the book of Revelation. It is the great whore. As the woman goes, so goes society. Now in Corinthians chapter 1, or 1 Corinthians chapter 11, Paul clearly teaches against men having long hair and women cutting their hair. Verse 14, doth not even nature itself teach you that if a man have long hair, everybody say long hair, it is a shame unto him. Does shame equal sin? I've heard this argument made. Well, it's a shame. It's not a sin. Listen, the word shame comes from a Greek word, atomia, which means dishonorable or disgraceful. The same word is translated vile affections in Romans chapter 1 verse 26. When God gave them over to vile affections, this word shame does not mean cultural shame because Paul said nature teaches it. You're not violating some cultural thing. You are violating the laws of nature that are instituted by God. Shame does equal sin. And when it says long hair, it does not refer to the length of hair. In some cultures you have ladies, in the Scandinavian cultures you have ladies that their hair can go down to their ankles or beyond. My wife has very, very long hair. Other cultures, it doesn't go past their shoulder blades. It's the DNA. God is not interested in the length. He is interested in uncut. The word long hair 
comes from the Greek komeo, which means to let the hair grow or to have long tresses of hair. How does nature teach men that this is shameful? Well, the cause of male pattern baldness comes from the male hormone testosterone. Dihydrotestosterone, DHT, is the enemy of our hair follicles. I am experiencing this phenomenon as we speak. It is the maleness of a man that naturally causes most men to lose their hair. Does not, does not nature itself teach you that if a man have long hair, it is a shame unto him. But if a woman have long hair, it is a glory to her. For her hair is given her for a covering. Not a veil. Not a hat. Not a hanky. Ladies, your hair is your God-given covering. Again, long hair comes from the Greek komeo, which means to let the hair grow or to have long hair. Paul said, for if the woman be not covered, how does a woman remove her covering? By doing anything that is antithetical to hair growth. Cutting, nipping, burning it off with a curling iron. Permanent so much that it's shorter this year than it was last year. For if a woman be not covered, if she does anything to shorten her hair and remove her covering, let her also be shorn. In the eyes of God, if you do anything to shorten your hair, it's equivalent to totally shaving it off. There are ladies among us, and God help us in our movement. In this day, there are so many ladies, they, are, they think they're hiding what they are doing to their hair. And they're experts at nipping the bottom of that hair. I, I asked my wife, I said, baby, have you ever been tempted to cut your hair? And she looked at me like, are you stupid? Yes, I have been tempted to cut my hair. And when she comes home from church, she's got her hair up and she walks in the house and she pulls out the bobby pins and it's like, <sighs> I cannot relate. But what happens is when the hair grows to a certain length, the oils, the minerals, the vitamins, the nutrients that are generated in those follicles cannot reach the end of that hair. It becomes dry and it splits. And ladies have learned to burn off those split ends, nip off those split ends, pull off those split ends. But in the eyes of God, if you do anything to shorten the length of your hair, in the eyes of God, you just shaved yourself bald. Your covering has been removed. But if it is a shame for a woman to be shorn or shaven, let her be covered. And Paul ends this discussion by saying, if any man seem to be contentious, we have no such custom. Neither in the churches of God. And people that do not like God giving us standards for living, what to do with your body. They say, well, Paul was dismissing his own argument. He's saying, listen, this is the way it is. But if you've got problems with this, don't worry about it. That is not what Paul was saying. Why would the apostle, is everybody still with me right now? Why would the apostle spend 15 verses explaining this concept and then dismiss it by saying, well, don't worry about it. When he said we have no such custom, 
He was speaking to the Corinthian church. Everybody say Greeks. He was speaking to them about a common pagan custom practiced in their city. You can look this up in National Geographic, which is not apostolic if I heard correctly. Women would cut their hair and burn it as a sign of devotion to pagan gods and particularly in ritual mourning for Aphrodite's lover, Adonis. They would take off their hair and they would cut it and they would put it in these incense, these brazen incense vials and they would burn it as a sign of their devotion. And that was the custom that the Apostle Paul was referring to when he said, we do not do this in the churches of God. If you've got a problem with women not cutting their hair, there's no other custom. And it's not just for Corinth. It's, it's all the churches of God. I was preaching at a church and a lady came up to me afterwards. Her name was Sister Melanie Thompson. And she said, I went to a Jewish funeral recently. And the Orthodox rabbi was standing at the door and they were giving all of the ladies the kippahs, the little circular hat on the back of the head. Y'all know what I'm talking about? It's like a little plate on the back of the head. And they were giving them to uh, men and ladies. And when she walked up to this rabbi, this Orthodox rabbi, she held out her hand for the kippah. And the rabbi looked at her hair and said, you do not need a kippah. You have uncut hair. You are covered. This has been in Jewish culture for thousands and thousands of years. Just like holy women of old adorned themselves. We are doing the same exact thing. This is another reason why Paul seemed to be ambiguous when he said that women should adorn themselves in modest apparel. The definition of modesty is not up to anybody's opinion for a certain location. If you want to understand why he did not give a definition, because Jewish modesty was ingrained in their culture for thousands of years. If you want to know what Paul was thinking of when he said, adorn yourself in modest apparel, look at the Orthodox Jews today. It got quiet. And the question is, why does the people teach against women cutting their hair? Why does the Bible tell the woman, do not cut your hair? Well, there's a difference between men and women. And we could preach on that. That ought to be a sermon every week as far as I'm concerned in our churches today. There's a difference physically. There's a difference spiritually. Our souls are different. We think differently. Does anybody know men and women think differently? Any husbands and wives here know men and women think differently. Men are from Mars and women are from. I said this at a youth camp and the reactions were awesome. They named Jupiter, Pluto. They had not read the book. Men are from Mars, women are from Venus. It's a great book. We think differently. We were made different on purpose. Man was made in the image of God. When you see a man, he is an earthly physical manifestation of what God is in the heavens. But the woman was made different. Paul said, for a man indeed ought not to cover his head for as much as he is the image. Everybody say image. And glory of God. But the woman is the glory of the man. There's no mention of image. The Bible is very clear that the man is made in the image of God. But it does not emphatically say what image the woman was made in. If the man was made in the image of God and the woman was made for the glory of the man... What parallel do we find that reveals the image 
of the woman. Paul said in Ephesians 5.22, Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as unto the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church. Husband, Christ. Wife, church. And he is the savior of the body. Therefore, as the church is subject unto Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands and everything. Husband, Christ, wife, church. Husbands, love your wives. Even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. Husband, Christ, wife, church. Just as the first Adam named his bride Eve, Jesus Christ, the last Adam, named his bride the church. Just as the woman was made for the glory of the man, the church was made for the glory of Jesus Christ. Just as souls are born from the union of man and woman, souls are born again from the union of Christ and church. Just as the man paid a price in his body for the woman to live, Jesus paid the price in his body for the church to live. Just as Adam was temporarily put to sleep so the woman could live, Jesus Christ was temporarily put to sleep so the church could live. Just as the side of Adam was pierced for the woman to live, the side of Jesus Christ was pierced for the church to live. Just as God God created the woman from what he took out of the side of Adam. God made the church from what he poured out of the side of Jesus Christ. Just as the woman was brought to the man to be his bride in paradise. Just as Christ will bring his church to be his bride in earthly and the heavenly kingdoms. Just as the bride receives the name of her husband in their earthly marriage covenant. The church receives the name of of Jesus uh, in the eternal marriage covenant. Uh, the Bible very clearly teaches us uh, that the woman was made in the image of the church. Let me insert here that the church cannot receive the titles of the groom, only the name. Doesn't matter how much I love my wife, she cannot receive my titles. But she has everything I have access to because she receives my name. And the Lord God said, Genesis 2.18, it is not good that the man should be alone. <laughs> Held on to that scripture till I was 32 years old. In my dark hour, I quoted it to the Lord. And the Lord God said, it's not good that the man should be alone. I will make him and help meet for him. Help meet comes from two Hebrew words, either connecto, help or strength or power that corresponds to or is the opposite of man. The woman literally is the opposite of man. An opposite has equal power. Some people have issues with that. But to be a true opposite, there is equal power. But equal power does not mean equal authority. There is a difference. Now, in the eyes of God in eternity, men and women are both equal. Everybody say equal. When you are born again, baptized in Jesus' name, filled with the Holy Ghost, with the evidence of speaking in tongues, you become a son 
of God, whether you are male or female. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. That we might receive the adoption of sons. Wherefore thou art no more a servant, but a son. If ye endure chastening, God dealeth with you as sons. Behold, what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us, that we should be called the sons of God. Beloved, now are we the sons of God. Now either the Bible is a very gender-biased book, or God is trying to tell us something. And the ladies might have an issue with this, so all the guys in the house, if you're a guy, lift your hand and say, I am a bride. We are all sons, and we are all the bride. Now, I'm not putting on some white dress. I'll tell you that right now. But I am the bride of Christ. Your gender makes no difference in sonship or brideship. This is why Paul said, there's neither Jew nor Greek nor bond nor free. There's neither male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. We are viewed the same way. You will not be judged as a woman when you go to heaven. You will not be judged as a male or female. You are genderless in heaven. We are like the angels of God. But on earth, there is a hierarchy of authority according to the order of creation and gender. 1 Corinthians 11 tells us that there is God, Christ, male, female. And these Offices of Christ, male and female, are earthly offices that have certain requirements. Christ was submitted to his head, the Father. Did Christ have any less power or authority than his head? No, he did not. The Bible says, Jesus said, all power in heaven and earth is given unto me. And under Christ is the male. Should a man have any less power or authority than his head, Jesus Christ? The answer is no. Jesus said, the works that I do, greater than these shall you do. Behold, I give you power to tread upon scorpions and serpents over all the power of the enemy. Greater is he that is in you than he that's in the world. You're supposed to do the same thing that I'm doing. The same power that resides in our head flows into us. And submission is the channel through which power and authority flow. This is why James said, submit yourselves unto God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. People quote that all the time. Resist the devil, he'll flee from you. The, the power and the authority to resist, which means to set yourself against. To set yourself against the devil. The power and the authority for that comes from submitting yourself to God. Submission is not an ugly word. Submission is the channel through which power and authority flow. And when a woman is submitted to her head, should she operate in any less power? than her head absolutely not as long as there is submission the power that resides in the head flows into the lower office of authority and the question remains why does a woman need a covering when a man does not why does a woman need to be covered in the presence of a higher authority when a man does not the answer is very simple It is a blueprint. Everybody say blueprint. Everybody say pattern 
for spiritual authority. Everything we do to submit on earth lines up with spiritual truth in the heavens. For instance, the entire tabernacle of Moses was a physical example of a spiritual process. God spoke to Moses in Exodus 25 and 40. He said, and look that thou make them after their pattern. Everybody say pattern, which was showed thee in the mount. Do not deviate from the pattern, Moses. I don't care if you like different colors. I don't care if you want to make the ark out of bronze. It doesn't matter. Your preferences do not matter. Why? Because everything you are doing physically is a blueprint for what exists spiritually. And the glory of God covered the ark because they got the pattern right. If the pattern is correct, the glory comes down. If the pattern is broken, a counterfeit spirit comes down. I tell you, as an evangelist, I have preached in so many churches where Jesus is not present. Because they have broken the pattern. And a different spirit has come in and deceived them. And they think they're feeling God. And it's a counterfeit glory. Now, even though God fills all space, there must be a particular place that his manifest presence resides. And there is a mystery here because... Paul said, if a woman have long hair, it is a glory to her, for her hair is given her for a covering. Everybody say covering. For this cause ought the woman to have power. Everybody say power. On her head because of the angels. When you look at Isaiah's vision, in Isaiah 6 and 1, the Bible says, In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw also the Lord sitting upon a throne, High and lifted up, his train or glorious garment filled the temple. Above it stood the seraphims, angels. Each one had six wings. With twain he covered his face. With twain he covered his feet. And with twain he did fly. So you see here that with two wings they're covering themselves. And with two wings they are flying above the glory of God. This was in the heavens. You see another example of this. Ezekiel had a vision of God's chariot coming into the earth. He saw these beasts. He didn't even know what to call them. He said, thus were their faces and their wings were stretched upward. Two wings of every one were joined to another and two covered their bodies. They resided over the glory of God and they covered themselves in the glory of God. And then you look at the physical representation of the glory of God in the Ark of the Covenant. God said, and thou shalt make two cherubims or angels of gold of beaten work shalt thou make them in the two ends of the mercy seat. And make one cherub on the one end and the other cherub on the other end, even of the mercy seat, shall ye make the cherubims on the two ends thereof. And the cherubims shall stretch forth their wings on high, covering, everybody say covering, the mercy seat with their wings. And their faces shall look one to another. So you see this picture of the angels. Their wings are up. They're facing one another. And then it says, toward the mercy seat shall the faces of the cherubims be. They are bowing their heads under their wings. Have you ever seen a Jewish representation of the Ark of the Covenant? 
They're bowing their heads under their wings. So here again, you see angels covering themselves and covering the glory. In other words, angels understand the significance of covering. They cover themselves in submission to God and they covered or guarded the glory of God as a ministry to God. Satan was in the head position of covering the glory. Ezekiel said, thou art the anointed cherub that covereth, and I have set thee so. Thou wast upon the holy mountain of God, thou hast walked up and down in the midst of the stones of fire. You were the guardian cherub of God that covered. When you look up the Hebrew for that word covereth, it's sakak, which means to hedge, to fence about, to shut in, to block, to overshadow, to screen, to stop the approach, to shut off, to cover. In other words, Satan was the restraining force of protection for the glory of God. He was the head guardian for the glory. The ESV says he was the anointed guardian cherub to touch the glory you had to go through satan not only was he covering or guarding the glory but the bible tells us that he himself was covered in the presence of god ezekiel said thou hast been in the eden the garden of god every precious stone was thy covering covering the sardis the topaz the diamond the barrel the onyx the jasper the sapphire, the emerald, the carbuncle, and gold, the workmanship of thy tabrets and thy pipes was prepared in thee in the day thou wast created. When Satan lived in the glory of God, he was the restraining force or covering for the glory, and he himself was covered in the glory. And you see that at some point, Satan got sick of his position. He decided to change his God-given role. He said, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will sit also upon the mounts of the congregation in the sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the most high. He said, our offices are equivalent. Let's remove the distinctions between us. I will be like you. And so he removed his covering, which was the symbol of his position. And he ceased his ministry to cover or guard the presence of God. But the moment he removed his covering to erase the distinctions, God said, you are not going up. You are going down. Yet thou shalt be brought down to hell to the sides of the pit. Jesus said, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. What is a woman doing when she cuts her hair? Whether she realizes it or not, she is altering the symbol of her distinction. She is attempting to change her God-given role. She is literally removing her covering and violating the pattern that God created in the heavens. When Satan removed his covering, he became a fallen angel. Everybody say fallen angel. He was cast out of the presence of God. And this is why Satan hates the woman. God said, I will put enmity between thee and the woman. 
Why does Satan hate the woman? Because the woman that refuses to move, remove her covering on earth represents what Satan used to do in the heavens. When Satan looks at a lady that refuses to remove her covering, he's seeing someone that took his place. Ladies with uncut hair, you are the keepers of the glory of God. You look at this. Satan was the covering for the glory of God in the heavens. And then the glory went into a box covered by angels. Then the glory went into a man covered by angels. Then the glory went into the church. And the Bible says that the angels encamp around about them that fear him and delivereth them. And the church houses the glory of God on earth. The woman was made in the image of the church. The woman's hair is the covering for the glory that resides in her. And the woman's hair represents the covering that Satan used to bear in the heavens. This is why he hates you. He wants you to follow the same path as he did. Because when you cut your hair, fallen angels can relate to you. Because you have removed your covering just like they have. And ladies, when you refuse to cut your hair, the holy angels of God can relate to you. Because you have refused to remove your covering. The Bible talks about a battle that occurred in the heavens. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon and his angels. The dragon took one third of the angels. That means for every one demon that is a fallen angel that removed their covering. There are two angels that have never removed their covering. In other words, you apostolic oneness Pentecostal ladies that don't cut your hair. You are twice as powerful as any scampy lady out there that don't care about how she looks. You are twice as powerful. I know they get all the media, all the attention everybody praises them but the Lord thinks you're beautiful the Lord says I like your hair the Lord likes what you're doing you must decide who are you going to please because our fashion industry will tell you split ends are ugly and God says, long hair is glorious. Who are you trying to please? I, I, I'm going to get into some controversial hot water here. But I figure I only have one life to live. I might as well preach what I see. Please rebuke me. Take the mic if you want to. Shut me down. I'll go work at home. I could care less. Honestly, I couldn't care less. The Bible teaches us that God has said three times, I like gray hair. The Bible says gray hair is a crown of glory. Y'all are like, what is this crazy evangelist doing up there right now? The Bible says rise up for the white head. Show respect. The Bible says the strength of young men is their youth. But the glory of the old is their gray hair. Three times 
God says, I like gray hair. That's the Old Testament. In the New Testament, in the book of Jude, you look this up in Thayer's Greek lexicon. God says these filthy dreamers defile themselves as they did in Sodom and Gomorrah. You know what the word defile means? Literally, it means to stain or dye with another color. The fashion industry will tell you. I hope I'm not making enemies. If I am, I'll take you to the word. We'll talk about it afterwards. The fashion industry will tell you split ends are ugly. Gray hair is ugly. Let me tell you what the Bible says is ugly. Isaiah said of Jesus Christ, he hath no form nor comeliness, no beauty that we should desire him. In other words, the man Christ Jesus was ugly. But you know what God said of him? God said of his son, he is my crown of glory. Ladies, your hair is equivalent. God feels about your hair and you having that hair. It's equivalent to how he feels about his son. It's rejected by the world. But God says, I love it. I love it. And Satan puts all the pressure on the ladies. Let's get real, guys. You can go out dressed just like this, and there's a bunch of guys that'll look just like you. They could be atheists. They could be Satanists. They could be whatever. But our ladies, do you want to know why the brunt of Paul's teaching in holiness was outward for the ladies and inward for the men? Because the men relay the image of Christ through how we think and our character. Women relay the image of the church through how they are seen. And this is where the battle is. Satan will try to get you look like you look funny. You look weird. You let me tell you something. You are powerful in God. Ladies, you are powerful in God. And Satan wants you to cut your hair. Why? Because Paul said, for this cause of the woman to have power. Everybody say power on her head because of the angels. The words because of literally means in and among the angels. You are the earthly equivalent to angels. And the word power, there's two types of power in the New Testament. One is dunamis. You shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you. That is dunamis, the ability to do, to act, to perform. But the other power here is exousia, which means authority or power or moral influence, jurisdiction, dominion over a certain realm, restraining force, first line of defense for Satan to taint the glory in any congregation. He has to first go through the ladies. If he can get you to remove your covering, he's got access to the glory. Listen, I've been to all kinds of churches all over the movement, and there are men there. They love God. They're doing the best they can, but the women have compromised, and Jesus does not show up. But there's also churches where the men are a little bit laid back, and you really don't see them doing nothing. But there's some powerful women intercessors. The glory of God will come in there. They, God will fill that place because of their covering, because he's safe. He wants a covering on the planet. He wants a covering. And ladies, you are the covering. And I've heard ladies say, well, I don't like this. Women are on the bottom. God, Christ, male, female. Women are on the bottom. 
You are on the bottom. Oh, yes, you are. You are on the bottom. So is the foundation of this building. Everything in this building is built upon the foundation. If there's a problem in the foundation, the walls are going to show it. The roof is going to show it. Everything's going to show You can repair everything about this building, but it's foundation. Ladies, you are the foundation of spiritual authority on planet Earth. Don't remove your covering. It's the glory of God. Oh, lift your hands and let your voice out to the Lord. Somebody thank God for this revelation. Thank you for the glory of God. That's in our churches. Be seated. I have been trying for years to get men, oh man, to act like women in church. I mean, women, let's pray. Instantaneous. Let's be honest, guys. We got to warm ourselves up a little bit. We got we to gotta crank that motor. But women can instantaneously connect in the spirit. Pow. Why? They're the first line. Let me tell you, ladies, something that have cut your hair. Satan is beating you up right now because you've cut your hair and he's telling you you've lost your chance. You've messed up. I want to tell you something. If you say to the Lord tonight, Jesus, whether you don't understand, you didn't understand or it was a weak moment or whatever. If you tell the Lord Jesus, I am sorry. Now I see and I give my hair to you. The fallen angels will back off of you. And the holy angels of God will come to you and your hair will be as if it's never been cut in the eyes of God. Ah, I feel something moving in this place right now. I can feel something flowing. There's a lady in my church. Her name is Danae Richardson. She is a powerful woman of God. She is so talented, mighty, mightily used of God. She sang for the president years ago. Just an incredible vessel of the Lord. She's never cut her hair. She's been raised in church, never cut her hair. She had her first daughter, Morgan. Morgan was about two years old and began to walk. And Danae was combing her hair, brushing her hair in her bedroom. And Morgan was playing on the floor next to her seat. And as she was brushing her hair, Danae heard an alarming voice speak to her. Where is Morgan? And she looked down and the toys were there. Morgan was gone. She looked all over the house and could not find Morgan. Went out in the yard, did not see Morgan. Went into the backyard, did not see Morgan. Went to the pool. And in the bottom of the deep end of the pool was Morgan, two-year-old Morgan. And when Danae looked at her, she saw Morgan standing at the bottom of the pool, 
with her hands raised. And there was a funnel of air coming from the top of the water down to Morgan's mouth. The angel of the Lord encampeth round about them that fear him and delivereth them. You ladies are so powerful. I'm telling you, women that understand this bring a level of angelic manifestation and ministry to the church that nothing else can bring. I was preaching for Pastor Talmadge French, and it was during Gay Pride Week, and I was fighting some incredible opposition in the spirit. We had about 40 get the Holy Ghost, but there's a difference between harvest and revival. Satan's always willing to give a harvest if he can keep the saints from revival. And there was incredible pressure against it. And I was, had just ended a very long fast, and in my mind, a very long fast. And I had been praying, and I said, I, I had preached my guts out, didn't have any strength. And I, I thought I was going to die that Sunday night. I said, God, you have got to help me. And, and somebody called me and told me what was happening in Atlanta at that point, so we knew what was going on. But I prayed a very specific prayer. I said, God... I want you to send Michael the Archangel to Atlanta, Georgia. Because the Bible teaches us that he is the biggest, baddest angel in heaven. He's going to grab Lucifer by his throat and drop him into the pit. He's a big boy. He's the guy that came and kicked out the Prince of Persia so Gabriel could speak to Daniel. Dominion must precede revelation. And so I said, listen, I, I told the Lord, I said, I know he's not omnipresent. You're omnipresent. You can be in China and in Atlanta at the same time. Michael has got a day planner. He's got to go here. He's got to go there. So I said, if you could just please clear out five minutes of his schedule, he don't have to stay. Just make a flyby through Atlanta. Just let him land here, destroy all the opposition, and then he can go on where he needs to go. And I forgot I prayed that prayer. And that night, the Holy Ghost blew up like an atomic bomb in that church. And people got out of their pews. They were rolling on the floor. They were holy rolling. Do you know what holy rolling is? Okay. I've never preached here. I don't know. I don't know if y'all, some churches don't know. I have to explain it. Holy rolling is when you get out of your seat, you stop, drop, and roll, basically. But you don't do it to turn the fire off. You do it to turn the fire on. That's what you do. You holy roll, okay? You don't even have to feel anything. You can just try it. It just liberates everything. So... They began the holy roll. They were laying hands on each other. They were spitting on each other. They were baptizing themselves in the swimming pool in the back. It was crazy. It was apostolic mayhem. And an elderly lady, a saint of God, came up to me in the altar and she said, Brother Campatella. Now this, when people come up to me in church, I always ask the pastor, Did that, is that person a wacko? Because I don't know and he will. You understand what I'm saying? So, and he said, no, she's not a wacko. She's a prophetess of God. And, um, whatever she said, she's been dead on in the past. Whatever she said was right. She came to me and she said, brother Campatella, when the Holy ghost hit the place, she said, I saw the ceiling open up behind you and a mighty angel of God. So big. It's, it's a very high ceiling in the back. So big that the head and shoulders of this angel went out of the roof and he just stood there and folded his arms and looked at everybody. And when he did, everything broke. And she said, Brother Campatella, I don't mean to be spooky, but God told me the name of the angel. God said, this is Michael, the archangel, and he has come to fight on behalf of the people of God. Those kind of angels will not show up to churches where women have uncovered themselves. You are powerful in God. You are powerful in God.
I was preaching this message at Brother Gleason's church in Kansas City, Missouri. And when I began to, I told the story of, of Michael the Archangel at Brother Talmadge French's church. And when I told the story, when I began to talk about Michael the Archangel, the building began to shake with thunder. And the scripture, scriptures begin to come to my mind where angels appeared and it thundered and God spoke and it thundered. Anyway, we just all kind of put two and two together. That was the beginning of the end of that service, I promise you. The Holy Ghost took over. And I want to tell you something. This church, God spoke to me when I was standing up here on the platform when Pastor Wright was leading us in prayer. This church is directly opposed to the nation spirits that are fighting in America. You are strategically positioned. I don't know y'all from Adam. I, I know everybody's famous here. I, I, I don't know anything about it. I don't know nothing. I've never heard anybody say this in my life. You are strategically positioned with spiritual authority to push back the darkness that's trying to overtake America. And God has sent me to tell you, ladies, don't stop doing what you're doing. There is a sword in your hand. And some of you, some of you have felt to operate in a level that you have shied away from. And God is saying, I'm unlocking the door. I want you to step through and grab a sword because angels are going to be released in this city, this region, like never before. If you believe it, I want you to lift your voice and lift your hands. And I want you to connect in the spirit right now. Ladies, I want you to open your mouth. I want you to fill your lungs with air. There is a war tongue that's going to come out of your mouth. Don't hesitate. Let it go in the name of the Lord Jesus. That's it. It's upon you right now. Somebody get out of your pew. Somebody step out of your seat. Do what you feel. Do what you feel. Get out of your pew. Get out of your seat. Do whatever you feel. Ladies, do whatever you feel. Ladies, don't be afraid. Do whatever you feel. I release you in the name of Jesus Christ from all fear, from all hesitation, from all inhibition. You've got a sword in your hand. Go, go, go. Dad, if your daughter's here, I want you to get your hands on her head and release her. Husband, if your wife is here, get your hands on her head and release her now in the spirit. Release them now. I release you to operate in your full potential. I release you to operate in the full calling of your office. You are mighty in God.
Come on, get your hand on their head. Release them, release them, release them. Mama, when you're released, you can turn a whole household upside down. Mama, when you're released, you can turn a whole church upside down. Mama, when you're released, you can turn a whole city upside down. You're the foundation. You're what it's all built on. Hallelujah! Gentlemen, I want you to be the leaders right now. As the image of Christ, get out of your pew and begin to lift your voice and operate in the Holy Ghost. Come on, I know it's Wednesday night. Is there anybody crazy enough to get out of that pew on a Wednesday night? Is there anybody crazy enough to begin to walk, begin a sword in your hand and go at it? Let your voice out. Speak in tongues. You are dispatching angels. What you pray in authority right now, God will do. What you pray in faith and in authority right now, God will do. That's it, that's it, that's it, The glory of the Lord is in this house right now. The angels of the Lord are working among us right now. If you're looking for something to do, get your hands on somebody. Get your hands on somebody as a believer. Release them. Release them in prayer, in the operation of the Holy Ghost. Release them. Don't just look around. Get your hands on somebody. Release them. I set you free. I release you. In the name of Jesus.
Don't put this down quite yet. The glory of the Lord is here. Embrace it. Carry it, mama. Some of you have been fighting a spirit in your home. You've been fighting a spirit in your marriage among your children. Mama, I want you to get a sword in your hand and begin to take dominion and authority over every spirit that would come against your family, against your marriage, against your kids. Use the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus Christ. Yes! Hallelujah! is he that's in you than he that's in the world I want some of you ladies with beautiful gray hair, some of you ladies that have been in church for a long, long time, I want you to find a young girl and get your hands on their head and pray that spirit on them. Some of you ladies that have been around for quite a while, go find a young girl, get your hands on their head, pray God strengthen them. They're fighting spirits that the church has never seen before. We are fighting opposition in the spirit like we have never seen before. You're going to make it young lady you're a light you're a city set on a hill which cannot be hid i know the world is trying to put pressure on you but greater is he that's in you greater is he that's in you in the name of jesus that's it that's it that's it that's it that's it that's it